We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 275. Another day, another podcast in the month of October. I was calling it No Sleep October on Twitter today. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's like a steady diet of, of, uh, of coffee and uh, any, anything I can get with caffeine in it. It's pretty much how I'm, I'm, I'm completely fake awake at this point. It's not, it's not real. My eyes... Or, uh, or, and it's already, it's only one game. It's only been it's, one game. It's only one game. And then we have I didn't, a I didn't, I didn't ever up. have this, ex- I didn't have this experience with, uh, uh, with a kid yet. So this is going to be really interesting. I'm pretty much going to be a dead man walking for the entire time they're in the playoffs. Yes. Uh, I was just on the phone with my dad before this. And, and I, when I picked up the phone, he goes, Oh, well, at least you sound better than you did on the podcast last night. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention, Technical issues are outstanding, so I hope everybody loved the show yesterday because I was up until 4 freaking a.m. editing that show because for some ungodnown reason, the file kept getting corrupt and wouldn't save like 50 times, and I had to redo it at 3 a.m., finally getting it out at 3.30, so that was awesome. That's brutal. When, you, when I saw like you sent out that message and I saw the timestamp on it, I, I was like, what the hell happened last night? Is that how late we were up? Because I, it's Jeez. not even like I was... I like I I was hungover this morning, but had nothing to do with alcohol and everything to do with screaming at the top of my lungs for four straight hours. 
Yeah, I felt like I, I didn't I didn't leave my house and I felt like I got run over by a truck. <laughs> and like you said, it's only game one and we have five freaking games with the Red Sox coming up. Yeah, Yankees, Red Sox, playoff games. What are they going to be, seven hours long? <laughs> seven hour, nine inning games. Yeah. A thousand pitches thrown, four million pitching changes. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be excruciating, and uh, we're gonna <laughs> try and break it all down on this show. But any uh, final wild card thoughts before we get to the ALDS? Um, you know, I just thought again. I'll reiterate. I had this beforehand. You know, I had confidence going into that game. It felt like they were in a different place this year, and and I think they came out and showed that they came out. You know, the opposite of flat. Like these guys were firing on all cylinders from the get go, and and you could just you could tell. And and I think they they had an, a level of importance to uh, to jump out early to get the crowd into it early, especially when you're facing a young team that you know could be frozen a little deer in headlights. And I think that's what we saw for a little bit until they until the A's you know finally kind of calmed things down and, and established the baseline again. But um, they did their job and they were confident, and then they just kept tacking on runs. And the pitching was was good throughout. So. Uh, just an overall really, really good game. Really good. One thing we didn't really talk about last night, uh, just because, you know, there's so many things we probably missed, but um, two things that, that jump out. I know we talked about Boone and how he was really good, and I think we both had really good things to say about him, but something that I don't think we mentioned really much was Gary Sanchez. Gary Sanchez blocking the ball behind the plate was actually very good. He made a lot of good plays behind the um, behind the dish, mm. and... Um, you know, hats off to Sanchez for, for playing the way he did last night. Yeah, so he made no impact with his bat, but he did make an impact on the game for the way he caught, blocked the balls, helped Severino through that bases loaded jam, and then helped Batances through that to get out of that jam that he was thrown into. So yeah, really good game for Gary Sanchez last night when he did absolutely nothing with the bat. No, but you could see, I mean, the... the and I'm rapport, saying that as a positive. I know, but the rapport on the, in the dugout, like these guys were... With Batances and Sanchez, uh, I think I mentioned it last night. I, I can't be held accountable for anything I say. I have no idea. Memories what I said, are out the window at this point. <laughs> the um, you could just tell that they were they had a really good thing going, and yeah. and they were they were excited about the way you know the pitches and and the calls that they made. You could just tell that there was a really good uh, chemistry going on last night. So I think everybody there was just fired up and ready to roll, and and you know like unfinished business, and I like that. Right. And uh, I had the, a chance this morning because when we got when we did our podcast last night, it was pretty much immediately after I got home. I hadn't watched any highlights or anything like that. I was just talking to you. You kind of filled me in on some things that I may have missed because I was at the stadium. One thing that I don't know how you did not bring up: How the hell did you sit through nine innings of Dennis Eckersley? He was god awful. On that, yeah, I know. On I, the, I said something last night about Eckersley okay, well, and uh, and uh, Darling. Clearly, yeah. I don't remember. But on the on the Aaron Judge home run in the first inning. Like Dennis Eckersley's exact quote was, "Oh no, this is a nightmare." <laughs> like, are you freaking kidding me, dude? This is a national TV broadcast AL wild card. It was the highest rated uh, playoff game AL wild card game in history. All eyes were on you. If you want to be a homer on Nesson, fine, but don't be a freaking homer on national TV. At least try and be professional. And I don't mind homers. If if Eckersley wants to be a homer. For the Nesson broadcast, fine. It's Red Sox fans watching. <laughs> but try and be don't, – don't openly root against the team, even if you are an ex-Oakland A and you are a current um, Red Sox announcer. I mean, damn, the only – I don't know who was rooting against the Yankees harder last night, David Price or Dennis Eckersley. 
I mean, you could throw Ron Darling into that boat too because I they don't were mind both, Darling as much though. Yeah, but a lot of the commentary there was a lot of commentary that that was just you know complaining about some of the pitches that that were uh, you know that they were cheering when Sevy didn't get them. You could just tell that there was a bias and yeah. it, whatever. I kind of expected it when I realized who the broadcast yeah, a was. Mets like, oh, and, a, and a Red Sox. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I just I, I kind of tuned it out. Yeah. I mean, I, I heard it, but I, nothing was nothing was. You know, surprising by any means. Well, add it to the list of why I was happy I was at the game and not watching on TV because I would have put my head through my TV if I was listening yeah. to Eckersley. And the other thing is that video that went viral today of the Oakland A's fan getting a beer just dumped all over him in the bleachers. Um, I don't condone that sort of behavior. But if you're going and sitting out with the bleacher creatures in an Oakland A's jersey with, was it frosted tips or just? Gray hair, or was it dyed? No, he had blonde? green hair. He had green, dyed okay, his green, green hair. hair. Awesome. Yeah, you, of course, you're going to get a beer dumped on you, dude. I don't condone it, but you got to expect that. I mean, I, I'm not expecting a full beer to get dumped on me. And and let's 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 all be honest. If I'm going somewhere, if I'm in an opposing, um, if I'm in an opposing uh, stadium, and I'm wearing my gear and I'm out in in uh, in the bleachers where you know where where the where the, where where it's basically just you know a zoo and animals there it's just it's impossible you know it's those are the hardcore fans those are the cheaper seats it's, it's always been like that and it's probably like that in most places but especially there um one if i get a full beer dumped on me i'm probably going out on a stretcher because there's no possible way <laughs> i'm looking at that guy and not fighting him right I he mean, was very calm that I mean, was a very have some, california have reaction some, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have some self-respect and just go and try to beat that guy's ass at least. Just try. Do something. You <laughs> yeah. got to do something. Yeah. But I guess when you're outnumbered 50,000 to one. <laughs> I mean, you got to believe. I, I, I got to. I, I can't imagine like, you know, all those people are just going to whoop, like start whooping this guy's no, ass I after know. you get a, a beer dumped on him. It's going to get broken up. Try to fight it. Save, save some, save some save face, face in that situation. Yeah. You're already it's drenched not, with beer. Might not be worth going to jail for though. But I got to tell you, I would be, I would be hot. Oh, some he, asshole like I said, poured a beer on me. The guy who, uh, and I was joking about that the guy should have expected it. If I mean, I, I never, if you want to wear opposing the opposing team's jersey to a stadium, like, of course, fine. This is sports after all. Like, uh, but the biggest asshole in this scenario is the guy who, who dumped the beer and filmed it. Um, just figured we, we should uh, touch on that. And the last thing I wanted to talk about was the We Want Boston chance that we're starting up around the sixth inning. And this segues into the ALDS. This is this is a turn, right? This this is not the normal Yankees Red Sox playoff rivalry where it's the Yankees as the underdog, the Yankees fans chanting, "We want Boston." It's usually it's usually been flipped in the history of these two teams. Yeah, no, I know they're. I mean, they're the they're the team that won the division. Obviously, they've uh, uh, the Yankees have not been able to overcome the Red Sox in the past couple of years for the division. And, you know, they're the team that won the most games in baseball. They were on a you know, historic run and ended a little short of, of one of, the, um, one of the, the most winning teams in, in the regular season. But, and their payroll is, what, $50 million higher? That's, that's something that Total role reversal. Yeah. So there's, there's a, big, a big double standard here when, when I think back to all my buddies um, yelling and screaming at me when I was in college and afterwards uh, that are Red Sox fans about payroll. It's, it's, um, it's totally flipped. And they are the, uh, you know, they're, they're, the, they're the favorite. There's no doubt about it. So. And all the pressure's on them because they're the ones who have been choking in the playoffs the last few years. Yeah, they, they've been raising those AL East banner uh, divisions and they have 108 wins in the regular season, but right now it's 0-0. And the facts are that the Red Sox are, have a 1-6 record in the last two postseasons. 
Yeah, and that's a big deal. I think that's one of the they have a they have an, a monkey on their back. And when you look at what the Yankees did last year, they're coming in full steam. They're coming in with, like I said earlier, unfinished business because I think that's kind of what their uh, you know what their theme is at this point. I mean, you heard Boone in the post game little celebration when they started you know pouring booze all over each other was we're just getting started and I, and I think that's that is a, a certainly their mentality they they know what that uh, what they were last year and they're a better team this year they have player they have upgraded many of the positions so there's no reason why they can't make a deep run and I think this team is really starting to believe that and it's the earliest that 100 win teams have met in the playoffs in history the last time it happened was 1977 and it was the Royals against the Yankees in the ALCS there was no division series at that point but you don't normally see 100-win teams meeting up this early in the playoffs. It happened because they're in the same division. And also because they're in the same division, they've seen each other a million times. They know each other inside and out. I mean, we, we have these stats here to, to break it down. Pitcher versus batter matchup and all this stuff. And it's gigantic sample sizes. Normally, yeah. it's like, okay, well, what am I going to do with a, a one for six? That doesn't really mean anything. But there's a lot of history here with these, these teams. And they're pretty much the same teams uh, from last year, too, with the exceptions of Martinez for the Red Sox and Stanton for the Yankees. The lineups are very uh, much the same. And it's good that they've had this, you know, the, they've had this, um, this time to, to get acquainted. Uh, we've had a, a nice little skirmish under our belt as well. So there's a lot of things brewing. And this is something that as fans, you know, we've been we've been asking for this and, and, and like we've needed this for a long time. 14 this, damn this, years. This rivalry. Yeah, this rivalry to get back. Uh, into the playoffs because that is where the hatred starts yes. again. That's where the hatred is fueled. You could start a little bit of it in the regular season, like that gets some sparks going. They did, but the full on flame, full on flame is is in the uh, is in the playoffs when when it's it's winner go home. The fact that is the fact that Tyler Austin is now a Minnesota Twin. Uh, does that take any sort of the the brawl aspect out of it? Because one of the main guys in that brawl is no longer on the on the roster. No, I don't think so at all. I, I still think there's a, you know, there's Joe uh, Ke- Joe Kelly still there. Still there, there there's yep. there's a Rex entire Joe Kelly. There's an entire team of uh, of Yankees who have Tyler Austin's back. who are still good buddies with him. Um, I still think win this uh, one for Tyler Austin. That no, would be I mean, a, like that would be. A, no, I, I'm kidding. I'm he's not, been I know a teammate of theirs for, but that would be a hilarious like thing. It would to be rally hilarious. <laughs> what well, didn't didn't Scranton or not Scranton? Didn't um, Paul Tuckett do some stupid giveaway? Yeah, anybody with the name of Tyler or Austin was not allowed into one of their games. Yeah, so the organization got personal here. Let's it's true. let's just uh, let's shove it back in Pawtucket their face. Red Sox, uh, hometown in Rhode or home state of Rhode Island. Yeah, got personal. They 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 took it there. Um, but no, I mean, I do think that's a consideration. They that guy's been a teammate of theirs for years. A lot of these guys, true. And they all they all saw that as a as a slight. And and you know, I, I still think that there's that blood is there. They these are the two most competitive teams in the division. Obviously, they've been going at it for a while now. And they know that um, they know that there's something lurking. It's, it's always on the you know just under the surface, ready to explode. All right, let's talk about a couple of high level factors for this series. So the biggest thing I think is is or one of the biggest things is home field advantage, because the Yankees are seven and zero in the last two postseasons uh, at home in the Bronx, and they outscore opponents a total of forty two to fourteen. That is utter annihilation when the Yankees are playing in the Bronx. Yeah. They have such a level of comfort when they're there, and they have to take advantage of it. I think when we're, you know, when we're talking about these home field advantages, I think both teams are probably putting 
you know, the, the highest of priority on defending, <laughs> here, here's your shirt, <laughs> defending the Bronx and defending Fenway. I guess they, because, I guess it applies now. Finally, yeah, it does. The uh, because the the home field is, advantage is so is so large. If you can if you can steal a game somewhere, then you know it's a big deal. So um, yeah, they got to continue this this uh, this home field. They got to continue scoring a billion runs at home because it's uh, it's intimidating. I think when other teams come in, the uh, against each other this year in 2018, the Yankees score six runs a game at home and only four and a half games at Fenway. Whereas the Red Sox score seven and a half runs at Fenway and only four and a half runs at Yankee Stadium, it, it, there you go. It, it, like the number, the numbers are, are pretty drastic uh, when you look at the home and road splits here, um, and that, that's why those three games at, at Fenway Park are going to be absolutely excruciating. The Yank, I know this sounds stupid because it's only a five-game series, but if you could win one of those first two, I really could see it not even going back to Fenway Park. Yeah, no, I mean. I, I kind of agree. The you could tell the the reason I think there's such a big advantage at, at home for these two teams, obviously, is the Yankees have their their uh, short porch in right field, and the the Yankees have, you know, for for lack of a better reason, tailored their swings. They know how to they swing differently uh, when they're at home. Aaron Judge certainly swings differently. The guy is you know his number his road home splits are insane. How how heavily weighted. Uh, how good he is at home. They know how to take advantage of the stadium. And the Red Sox are exactly the same way when they're at home. They know how to take advantage of that, of that monster wall in left field that's, um, <laughs> that's high but extremely short. They know how to play pepper off of it. They know uh, they just got to get the ball up in the air. So I think both and teams have the, you know, the experience and they know damn well how to take advantage of each other's home parks. And the Red Sox this year, it's like a new trend for the Red Sox with Alex Cora. They're extremely aggressive on the base paths. And in Fenway Park, you get weird-ass bounces, caroms off the wall, pesky pull. Like, they're just flying around the bases. They steal bases. And the Yankees' defense, we even saw it in that last game of the season. The outfielders, like Brett Gardner made a weird play off the wall. Aaron Judge misplayed a ball in right field. And the Red Sox just out there running around the bases, taking extra bases. So that's another factor is, are the Red Sox going to be aggressive? And is that going to hurt the Yankees defensively? Well, I mean, you could bet your ass that they're going to be aggressive. There's no, there's no doubt about it. Cora's shown that that's kind of the makeup of this team right now. I mean, they've hit a lot more home runs than they did last year. They were a weird team last year when they didn't have a thumper in the middle of that Bottom lineup. Three they, in homers, which is it not was just, normal for the Red Sox. It was so strange. And then you you add you know one guy in in JD Martinez that makes just a world of difference and makes an entire lineup better, but is you know is thumping all by himself as well. Um, it, it definitely it, it changes the makeup of the team. But you know, you and I were talking about this before we started recording. You know the. They, the makeup of the team, while both teams are extremely talented, they, the Red Sox play differently. They make a lot more contact. They can take advantage of, of, of running the bases. They have a lot of speed in the outfield. Their outfielders are fast as hell. They have a lot of other guys who can run well. Um, so, yeah, I fully expect them to try to take advantage of every opportunity. Yeah, you, you remember those numbers we talked about with how good the Red Sox are with runners in scoring position? It's because they make contact. They don't strike yeah. out in big spots. And in the playoffs, that's really difficult to pitch against. Yeah, no, that's that that, and I think that's the biggest difference when you're looking at these two teams. You know, I, I would make the argument that one through nine, the Yankees are more talented, and, and you know, position by position, they're they're better. And they can all hit home overall. runs. They everyone up and down the lineup. We know twenty home runs out of every spot in the order. Yeah, everybody can do damage, uh, but you are going to get more strikeouts. And whereas the Red Sox, you may have some of these guys that, um, you know, the the Leones of the world who aren't going to, um, they're going to have a tough gonna, at bat. They're going to give the pitcher a tough at bat. 
Yeah, but you're you're looking at that guy and you're like, all right, this guy is is you know a replacement level type guy. He's not that, but he makes a, t- a ton of contact. He knows how to take advantage of of, uh, of Fenway Park, and he's tough there. And it's so it's the guys like Steve Pierce and Eduardo yes. Nunez, like these little pesky motherfuckers that make contact and just make the lineup more difficult to pitch to. I mean, Steve Pierce is. I can't even call Steve Pierce pesky. Okay, whatever he is, he's a thumper against the Yankees. He's five home runs against the Yankees this year, just as a member of the Red Sox. And he only has seven total against the Red Sox. Five home runs and 43 plate appearances. He has demolished the Yankees pitching. Yeah, three home run game. He hit, uh, what, that grand slam off of Jay Happ. You know, that's going to be in his, um, in his wheelhouse and in his mind right off the bat. So that, those are guys that you have to look out for. And Steve Pierce has crushed the Yankees on every single team in the American League East. Um, this guy has just been a nightmare for, for the Yankees wherever he is until he did play for the Yankees. And he was terrible. So thanks, Steve. Appreciate that. I think he's just a freaking... I don't know where he grew up or where he's from, uh, but he obviously has an affinity for hating the Yankees. <laughs> and it's like we've mentioned all these guys and haven't even really got to J.D. Martinez and Mookie Betts and, and Benintendi, who kills the Yankees, and Xander Bogarts, yeah. who had a 40-plus 40, 40 double season, 100-plus RBI season. Yeah, no, I mean, the, when you talk about the, the top talent of, those, of, the, of their lineup, it's, um, it's extremely good. J.D. Martinez, obviously, we all know, had uh, you know probably one of his best seasons, if not his best season. The guy was ridiculous, um, and just he doesn't make bad contact. You know he makes a lot of really good contact, and it's consistent. So he is uh, he's been just doing absolute damage. Uh, you know when you're looking at how the how the Yankees match up, if you're if you're talking about like bullpen arms and and you know starting pitching too, it, it does work to the to their advantage on on the sense that they have you know, some dominant right-handed guys that can hopefully counteract. But um, there's no big lefty the the, the um, Red Sox are trotting out there this time. There's no big Ortiz. So right. having a lefty specialist like like the old days where uh, you have, you know, the, you have a, each team has a lefty specialist uh, that comes in and, and tries to hold the, the big lefty hitter on the other opposing team. That, that's no more. Right, because both teams are right-handed. You got Benintendi yeah. for the Red Sox and Didi for the Yankees. Those are really the only guys. Everybody else is switch hitting or is a big right-handed hitter. Yeah, so I'm I'm okay with that. I'm I'm glad that we don't have the uh, you know the the lefty specialists that come in and, and pitch to one one guy and then we're and then we're done and they got to take up a roster spot for that. Mm-hmm. I that that is an annoying roster spot. But I think another key to this game and this is the part I think when we talk about it starts favoring the Yankees is the bullpens. And if the Yankees can make this a bullpen series, I have confidence they can win. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Their bullpen is far superior and. Uh, they have to, but you know, again, to make sure that they are staying effective in the bullpen, the starters have to do their job and get some length because if they are going early to the bullpen, then you're then you're you're basically taking your strength and you're drastically weakening it by overpitching them. Uh, and when you when, once you do that, you know, then it's anybody's game. Well, but if you do on the other side, on the flip side, if the Yankees are able to get to uh, the Red Sox bullpen, yeah. I mean, there's just no talent there. Right. The Red Sox need their big three starters, Price, Porcello, and Sale, to go six-plus. And if that doesn't happen, the Red Sox are not going to win. And whereas the Yankees, I think they can get away with their starters just going, like last night, four-plus. Get us at least into the fifth inning. because And then you have off days after game two and after game four where you can kind of let the bullpen do a lot of the heavy lifting. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, four to five. <laughs> I know, but I, I think that, that's I'm, all they're going to ask for. Like, I guess. That, that's really all they're going to ask for is 
Um, get us get us five innings, and and we're comfortable with that. When you have a guy like Jay Happ who has you know a, a sub two ERA against the Red Sox and has been so good against them for for you know with with every team he's been on basically. Uh, you you want more than four to five innings? I, like that when when a guy is coming over, <laughs> okay. I, I want to see a little bit more than that so that we can save this bullpen for you know a, a possible Tanaka start uh, who has struggled mightily against this team. Yep. I I don't want to waste bullets on early. I, I still think it's it's a huge advantage if the Yankees starters can get into that. I think sixth inning is like the magic number. I, the, the, you, of course, that's the magic number. All season, when the Yankees starters get into the sixth inning, the Yankees are almost unbeatable. So now you're expecting them to go do that against the, the best lineup? Uh, no, I'm talking about I'm talking about game one specifically. Right, Jay specifically Happ game in that one. Happ, one. Yeah, Happ has been tremendous with the Yankees and Blue Jays this season. Twenty two and two thirds innings, a one ninety eight batting average against twenty nine strikeouts, six walks, two homers allowed, a one ninety nine ERA. And he has not had an ERA above 233 against the Red Sox since the uh, 2014 season. If Jay Happ can give you some length into this and keep this game um, close, yep. and, and he gets into the sixth inning, and, and, and the Yankees are able to pull out something because Jay Happ is dominating his team and goes deep into it. You know, I mean, talk about a ridiculous advantage. Not only are you stealing one at Fenway, but now you yeah. also have a starter who has done the, the majority of the work. I mean, that's a humongous advantage well, for the Yankees for the rest of the series. If the Yankees win game one, uh, what is David Price going to do? Is he going to come up with a, a hurt wrist? Is he going to say he's got the flu? Because he is going to absolutely be trembling. He might vomit right there on the mound. David Price in basically a must-win situation against the Yankees? Good luck, Boston. I mean, he's going to call his buddy, his good buddy, Sonny, for some advice. Yes, Sonny. You know? Sonny, how do you deal yeah. with tough times? Well, I yeah, just go tell the times? media that my stuff is really good, and I go watch Peaky Blinders. I mean, that's it. You know, it's a it's a good it's a good game plan. <laughs> Try to be as uh, as unprepared as possible. <laughs> Try to be as unprepared as possible. Yeah, as unprepared. Yeah, and don't have any any type of uh, semblance of a routine, and and then just hope things will go well. But the Red Sox bullpen, like Joe Kelly, Matt Barnes, Hector Velasquez, these guys do not scare me. Kimbrel scares me. He's a he's a good closer, but that seventh and eighth inning is not good for the Red Sox. So it's going to be if it's a bullpen series, I'm feeling good. Um, probable pitching matchups: We already have announced Hap against Sale in Game One. No one has been announced for the Yankees in Game Two. It's got to be Tanaka. I don't see what else they could possibly do. This is lining up. It lined up with Severino starting in the Wild Card game. Lined up perfectly for this series. We can go Hap, Tanaka, and then Severino back at home. So Tanaka against Price in Game Two. Severino against Porcello in Game Three, and then we'll see where we are Game Four. Yeah, the Game Four it'll be we we know what we have um, lined up through the weekend. I think you're right. I think Tanaka. I mean, when you look at the road splits between uh, the road home splits for Tanaka and Severino, obviously Severino we know uh, from last from last show and and what he's done at home. You know, we've gone through all those all those numbers where how dominant Severino and how much better he is at home. Tanaka's had a, a tremendous year this year on the road. Uh, so you know, put them, putting them in both uh, situations where where they can hopefully succeed is is a big deal, and I don't know how they could possibly line it up any differently. But Tanaka against the Red Sox this year in 19 innings has a 7.58 ERA. That's a big deal. You know, at least at least you're not putting it in Yankee Stadium um, where I think he's he's definitely struggled, uh, especially the home run ball is is something that you know that comes out. Not not to say that you can't hit it out of. Fenway, but I don't know. I, I think taking him away where he does have better numbers on the road uh, is 
is at least putting him in a situation that's better. Like he struggled against his team no matter where he is. So um, he's he's just got to pitch better. How about that? Well, it's actually interesting because Tanaka on paper should match up well against the Red Sox because he doesn't his he prefers to throw his slider and his splitter, and the Red right. Sox eat fastballs alive. That's one of the yes. reasons they hit Chapman. They have the second highest woba as a team against fastballs of 95 miles an hour or above the second fat second weighted on base at weighted on base average basically just okay. how much damage you're doing how many how many times you're getting on base against a pitch they get on base against fastballs which is another reason i don't conceptually understand how jay hap pitches well against the red sox he's a left-handed pitcher who predominantly throws four seam fastballs and he somehow can beat that right-handed red sox lineup it doesn't make any sense i feel i feel like the the uh, the rain man gif with the numbers flying around trying to figure out how this is happening I mean, he, he does throw the four-seed fastball, but he's, he's also, you know, he's crafty. He, he, he sneaks in uh, off-speed pitches, and I feel like he keeps these guys on their toes um, and, for whatever reason, just keeps them off balance. And you're right. They eat fastballs for, for, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I think maybe that's why we saw some struggles with Tanaka. When, you see, when, fast, when Tanaka's not wasn't going well, um, he was, you know, relying too little on the fastball, I think, and he was becoming predictable. And he wasn't showing... Uh, you know, the hard stuff down that, that looks like a fastball coming in. I, I think if he could come out and establish the, the bottom of that zone, he'll be more effective because then he can mix in the fastball, you know, with, uh, with some of his heavier breaking stuff that breaks down in the zone. And, and then you got these guys, you know, off balance or swinging through breaking balls thinking they're fastballs. So I think it's, it's extremely effective for him. One, I, I think when we're looking at the umpire and, and how the strike zone is, if he's not getting the bottom of that zone, He's in trouble. Yeah, like so. Again, another thing I noticed from the wild card game when I watched the condensed game, the uh, the umpire had a tight strike zone, and if if yeah. it's something like that for Tanaka, that's going to be difficult against the Red Sox. Yeah, because he starts elevating pitches at that point, and and that's when you start seeing balls fly out of the ballpark yeah. for him. If he starts elevating whatever the pitch is, if it's the fastball, if it's the breaking ball, uh, especially the breaking ball, if he's not getting anything low in the zone. Um, with the fastball, then the breaking ball becomes that much less effective because they can just spit on it. Because it's it, a lot of the times it starts either in the bottom of the zone or um, you know just out, and and uh, it looks like a fastball coming out of his hand and then dies. So that pitch is is almost you know it's it's basically uh, taken away from his arsenal if uh, if he's not getting those calls. But but that's you know that's that's his deal to to take it uh, to, you know to to make those adjustments. Um, but it'll be interesting because he's definitely pitched. I think, you know, obviously in the second half, we've seen him pitch much better and, and work, uh, work the pitches a lot, you know, mix in the pitches a lot more than he did early on. Yeah, we felt great about Tanaka two weeks ago. It's just he didn't really finish the season very strong. Right. So the last gotta thing... Forget, you got to hope that he just relies on the, you know, the main second half tonight. It's been a while since he pitched. The last time he pitched was in Tampa, correct? Uh, yeah, I think so. so it's, yeah, it's, he's, it, he's been off for a while. So be ready to go. It's going to be, we're going to, can we just fly in like uh, you Darvish? Ichiro? No, we should just fly in <laughs> Shohei Otani no. and just uh, pencil him in as the, as the starting pitcher and see what uh, why don't we get, Why don't the Yankees just invite Ichiro to the game? <clears throat> I think that's all it takes, honestly. But Ichiro is a friend. Uh, he's an ex-teammate. Yeah, Actually, was he still, there? Was he there? Was Ichiro? God, I'm getting my years mixed no, up. No, yeah. but but he wants he wants to do well in front of him. He's not going to pitched horribly in front of Ichiro. Ichiro's a, Ichiro's a legend. He's a national hero. Yeah, okay. Fly him in. He's a Yankee. Can we just get a fat head of him? Like, oh, like for a poster board, the real thing. Poster board I want, cut out. Bring in, bring in non-English-speaking Ichiro. You and I, we go to Fenway Park. We make some fat heads of Ichiro and Otani and you Darvish and, and all the other uh, Hideki Rabu. 
and just all the old <laughs> we just have we have a whole we have a whole row of, a whole of, row of every good Japanese player we that's buy, ever been. We buy out the front row of the monster seats and just fill them with fat heads of Japanese stars. Yeah. No, I like that. Tanaka, like that perfect game. Remember he did pitch the uh, complete game shutout at Fenway, so it can happen. Yes. And and we've seen look, we have a the last time we saw Tanaka in the postseason, he was very good. That's so true. This, he this is up. the guy that 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 gets up for these types of situations. That's why I think having him at Fenway is is good because you know his numbers on the road. I think one of the reasons he's effective on the road is because he doesn't get a you know he doesn't really uh, clam up in, in in big situations like this at, at big in, in in other people's ballparks. You know, he it doesn't matter to him. I think honestly he gets more more worked up when he's at home because he's probably more concerned about the home run ball. Yeah, definitely. Um, game four, if, if there is a game four, unless one of these teams uh, sweep, I could see the Yankees going to CC for one time through the order, as we've said before. It's kind of an opener situation, um, even though it's a traditional starting pitcher with CC. And then the Red Sox, probably you're going to go with Evaldi, who has had very good success against the Yankees this season. Yeah, I think CC would probably be the guy, uh, you know, unless they did, you know, do a whole bullpen thing, which I really hope they don't. Um, because, you know, one, they don't. Having they just need to make sure that there's somebody on the roster that's going to be taking that spot, obviously. But the, um, you know, who knows? This is why I, I this is why I can't stand the bullpen thing. Like to me, this is where it all goes shit out the window. Like how are you supposed to prepare for a bullpen game on on the third game like, or fourth game? How are you supposed to do that? <clears throat> well, I, you'd I have to. See, I don't understand how you prep that because game three, if Severino goes out there and pitches eight innings, then fine, you can go to a bullpen game game in game four. But if you're already lining yourself up for a bullpen game in game four, but Severino's out out after four or five innings, then what the hell do you do? That's my point. It's 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 you can't plan these things. That's why I don't think it's not it's not sustainable well, in the playoffs. It's interesting it. because I don't know if you were watching that Brewers game today. They went bullpen game one. Yeah, I don't. I'm, I have it on right now. I didn't see the beginning of the game, but um, they who did they start? They started the it was a bullpen from, from they the they, game, they huh? went they went with uh, I I don't remember who it this was. This whole but. trend is pissing me off. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> it's really it's it's annoying as hell. I. I needed to die as, uh, like a horrible flaming death. And I feel like we saw a little bit of that maybe in Oakland, but but then, you know, the Trevino kick in. Yeah, I mean, they, it's just Hendricks up. stunk and Rodney stunk. Everyone else was pretty decent for him. Yeah. They, uh, yeah, they've, uh, they went uh, Woodruff and he went three innings. And then... Uh, oh, hey, what did I say? All it takes is one or two guys, one or two chinks in that armor when you're trying to, you know, throw out six, seven guys in, the, in a bullpen game. They better all be good, every single one of them, because if you have a, a couple guys, and we saw that last night, the opener, quote opener, I hate that word, is, is it's, it's actually getting worse now to me as, <laughs> as this whole thing goes on. I'm starting to hate it way more now. We've got to get but, Brian um, Kenny back on the podcast. Yeah, it's just really starting to piss me off. But, you know, I mean, Aaron Judge took, it, took advantage of it in, in the very beginning. You know, one guy, and, and that was, uh, that was a, you know, uh, the difference in the game. So the roster, as far as, as we're recording this on... What day is it? Thursday? I think it's Thursday. Yeah, so the, no, no ro- ALDS roster has been announced, but we pretty much know who's going to be there. I think Higgy's going to be off, CC will be on, and then it'll be interesting to see if they keep Wade on for pinch running and defense or if they take Wade off and put a bullpen arm like Tarpley on. Yeah, because when you're looking at it, Tarpley would be the guy, I guess, because you know I, I don't know how much confidence they, they got from him or they they have in him now after after he ended the season you know much better than where he started. Apparently, he was, he was close to making the wild card roster. He was like the odd man out. Yeah, well, and, and it makes sense because he's a lefty, and, and that's the big reason. Versatility they don't that 
having that again, versatility, having a guy like that. You need it against the Red Sox. That's the question. It's it's so right-handed heavy that you almost don't need. You, would you rather have another righty, or would you prefer Tyler Wade to pinch run? See, to me, Tyler Wade is <clears throat> is that type of Swiss Army knife that could be very important, uh, and because well, he's not um, going to hit, he's going to play defense. No, but run. he he can run. He can play a you know a million positions. He could lay down a bunt if you need to in a situation. So, like, we're not going to expect him to go out there and rope a double, but he could do something fundamental. You know, he could be a guy that could uh, sack a guy over. You know, you know, I, you just just having that guy to that that can handle um, a bat in that in that way and then run the bases and play defense. I think is is a good thing to have. Why didn't he pinch run for Voit when Voit was on third base last night? Because Luke Voit is a goddamn legend. But but no, seriously, what what's the point of Tyler Wade on that roster? If you I just thought of this. I if you have Tyler Wade there, it's already a, a five nothing game, right? It was five nothing game at that point. Runner on third base, one out. You were looking for a sack fly, and and Voit may have been out. I mean, the challenge went the Yankees' way, but he was pretty close to being out. Tyler Wade is is in there standing up. Yeah, um, I don't know. And then Neil Walker, but Neil Walker, Walker went in anyway. anyway. Right, yeah. Maybe a missed opportunity. No, Amy. Of course, what, it then. sounds. Stu- I'm not second guessing Boone, <laughs> but what I'm saying is, there's no point if if that's not the situation to pinch run him. When is? Well, I mean, I, I you know, in a in a series, it's different. You're gonna have <clears throat> you're gonna have multiple situations, you know, probably where where he night. can come into advantage. Yeah, yeah. So I I think it's I still think it's a um you know a positive thing to have him on there. I would prefer to have him on there than a guy like Tarpley. If it's if it's between the two, not a guy like Tarpley. If it's Wade if it's or Tarpley, Wade I would Tarpley. want. <laughs> yeah, I want I want Wade. What about Sonny Gray? I certainly don't want Sonny. I don't even want Sonny Gray to be there. Honestly, like I I don't want him to make the trip. Um, he was booed in pregame introductions last night. Him and Bird were both booed. Good. <laughs> they 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 both deserve it. Uh, biggest ovation who was not on the roster was CC. Of course, yeah. Everybody loves CC. I mean, how could you not? Especially after what he just did. Yeah, that's uh, in Champa. I mean, he's like he's like the uh, he could do no wrong right now. Well, he could do a lot wrong if he pitches. <laughs> the uh, so one big thing I think for Stanton was getting that home run. He popped his playoff cherry, and he's had a very good season against the Red Sox. Three seventy one average, five homers, seventeen RBIs, and twelve extra base hits. So he has hit the Red Sox this year, and now he has that that first hit in the playoffs out of the way, and he can just concentrate on beating the crap out of Chris Sale on Friday night. Yeah, I love it. I'm I'm so happy that he got that home run, and it was uh, just just to get it out of the way. And the numbers that he has against the Red Sox, I mean, he's done such he's done stupid damage against the Red Sox. So he needs to continue it. I mean, look, we saw what he was doing towards the end of the season. He was heating up, and it looks like that's really continuing. Like this guy really might be in the middle of one of his hot streaks, and yeah. that's good you know, news. Very good news. So. Uh, Tyler was pulling some stats here, and one thing that kind of jumps out at me is Didi's number, numbers against the Red Sox. One yeah. at 64 batting average, two homers, nine runs driven in, seven strikeouts in 75 plate appearances. That, that 164 batting average really jumps out. I wonder how many of those were in the middle of his you know, god-awful slump. In May? Uh, yeah. Did they play? Uh, I'm wondering if they played remember. during that streak because that would make some sense for these numbers to, to get skewed. I know he bit. hit. But, didn't he hit and, both of? And then he was injured. He hit his home runs. He didn't he hit one of the home runs in that game we saw in the Bronx, off the Red Sox. 
That was Maybe. a long ass time ago. I mean, like yeah, end of June on. at that point. But setting me up for failure right there. <laughs> I, I have no idea. I think he did actually hit a home run yeah, now yeah. that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Um so are you at all concerned with Araldus Chapman closing against the Red Sox? I, I know that he doesn't have good numbers, so he's got bad numbers. <laughs> they're, they're not <laughs> in fact they're not just not good, they're really bad. Seventeen innings pitched, sixteen hits, sixteen walks, which is just throw up in my mouth a little bit. 741 ERA. Yeah, the the walks is what's what's killing you, and the fact that he's got he's had what one uh, positive outing, and it was with the Reds. So well, I mean, yeah, so his I'm, last outing against the Red Sox actually was good last weekend at Fenway Park. He cleaned up uh, a mess from the Yankees. Uh, yeah, uh, got out of the uh, inning in a game that didn't matter in a for the Red game Sox. Game that didn't matter to the Yankees either. They'd already clinched <laughs> for any team. They were trying to get to yeah. 100 wins. That's literally the only thing that they were going for at that point. But it's been ugly. Really, the thing that sticks out of you is that Sunday night game back in August. Oh yeah, I mean it's hard to it's hard to forget that one. The he look he, he's been the the problem I have with him. So you asked me if I'm nervous. Yeah, I'm nervous about it. It's it's gonna I'm gonna be like wound up as tight as you could possibly be if he gets into the game in a, in a tight situation at Fenway Park. Like he's gonna be sweating bullets. You know that it'll, it'll be, be forty degrees outside. It'll be forty be degrees. He's gonna be bullets. sweating his face off, <laughs> not be able to grab the ball. And, you know, if he starts walking, guys, the thing with him is if he doesn't find that strike zone, a lot of times he never finds it. Like It doesn't come back, you know, so he's got to be uh, he's got to be on from from the get go, I think. And there's it's a house of horrors for him there. So, yeah, it makes me nervous. I think that, you know, I, I certainly think that he's going to get the closer role, you know, off the bat. But yeah. if he struggles in that first game, if there's a or that first opportunity, I would not be surprised if they went to Britain. Oh, the the kind of tricky thing about this is Chapman and Britton are both kind of making me nervous right now. But Tansis has been pitching the best, but he makes me nervous in the ninth inning. You're saying Batances in the seventh or the eighth inning against the Red Sox? I'm totally fine with it. But for whatever reason, it seems like Batances gets in the ninth inning and something happens in his brain, like some wires start to short circuit. But that was one of those that was one of those stats and, and thoughts that we've had, and then we look at the numbers, and his his numbers in the ninth are actually not. Uh, very different. Yeah, same from what same they thing were. with his numbers with runners on base. Yeah, yes. uh, eventually, <laughs> I test. Baby. But but we remember we remember home runs and and you losing the game. That that's what's remembered really. But yes. um, I don't know, man. After what I saw from from uh, Batances last night, <sighs> I mean, star of the game. I, mean, I said it last night, but holy, he was absolutely the star of the game. You want to talk about sacking up? Like that dude came and was uh, was he was so good. I I, I big I don't old remember cojones. A time. I do not remember a time where I've, I've seen him pitch as big as he did then in that situation. And so freaking animated. I loved that. I love the fact that he was just all in, all in. And you could tell. And he pitched lights out. So we know what he is. When he's on, when he's the guy that he showed last night, I mean, he's one of the most dominant pitchers in baseball. Not in the American League, not in, the Amer- in baseball. He's got that kind of stuff. So um, if his head's right, then I'm, I'm good throwing him anytime. <laughs> there was a really good article in Fangraphs about Batances today. It was kind of breaking down his um, mechanics, comparing it to last year when he was super wild. This year, he's been a lot more in control. His wa- his walks are down. His strikeouts are up. Um, so I, I encourage you to go check it out. Yeah, uh, and, and that's big for, when you have a big body guy like that, right? Like yeah. that's one of the bigger things is if you can find those mechanics, if you can lock them down, and he finds those consistent spots in his rotation, in his uh, in his windup, and in, in his uh, delivery, that's huge. And if he has found those spots, um, and he's you know able to repeat and repeat, I mean, that's that's uh, definitely a good equation. For the success. biggest noticeable difference as far as what it looks like is his leg kick is smaller. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean that's good. And what what that what that does also is that that means he's a, a bit shorter to home too. Mm-hmm. So Which is probably also keeps the runners huge issue. <laughs> it's been a huge <laughs> issue. Um, like we said, he, the the two issues last night that you circle with Patantis were are, are runners on and multi inning, um, and then second in yeah a, another inning, and he dominated Passed both of those, both with flying colors. All right, last thing I want to talk about, and this has to be weighing on not only the, these players but also Red Sox fans. Chris Sale, career in the postseason, nine and two thirds innings, eight thirty eight ERA. David Price in the playoffs, seventy three and a third innings, five point oh three ERA. Ricky Rick Porcello, 24 and two-thirds innings, 547 ERA. Those are some balloon-size ERAs. Yeah, you got to be thinking about that. There was some – did you see the – there was a video I saw on Twitter. Yeah, I really could not understand what the guy said. Yeah, no, 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 of the of – the, um, it was a Chris Sale press conference asking oh, him I didn't about that. his success with the Yankees. He says, can you describe your uh, – you I've had success with the Yankees, and he just says no. Chris Sale said no. Anything. Yeah, Chris Sale. Like he said didn't want to answer no. the question, or he can't. He can't explain it. Didn't want to answer the question. Okay, so so they're a little nervous. Yeah, a little bit nervous. Yeah, they have there's, all there's the definitely pressure. something in the head. There's definitely something in the head over there. And when you look at those numbers, it's hard to ignore. Yeah. So, uh, like we said at the top, the pressure is on the Red Sox. They're the best team in baseball this year. The record proves it. And they're, they are built to win right now. We've talked to Chad Jen- Jennings a million times uh, about how this team, this Red Sox team, has to win a World Series or else everything Dave Vombrowski has done is for nothing. They're top-heavy. They're, they're top-heavy in the major leagues. The farm is, um, is, is definitely not there. You can see what they, uh, even when they try to secure you know, more help, they did not shore up the bullpen at the trade deadline. That was one of the areas you'd think that they were targeting but they just don't have the 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 pieces to make any deals so that was a big big hindrance for this team at you know in the middle of the season to make their their team better they couldn't they couldn't do it nathan avaldi was their was their big pickup (laughs) he's been great against the yankees probably going to get a game postseason start so we'll see how that goes all right you were very confident with the uh wild card game going into that what's your level of confidence entering the alds i you know i feel good i'm not you know, I'm not. I don't have the same level of, uh, no, I, of I think certainty, I don't think you but could. I, but I feel good. I feel good because this team is playing well right now, and yeah. that's the biggest thing. You, we all know what happens in October in postseason baseball. The hot team, you know, is that's one of the biggest advantages being that hot team coming into the playoffs. And honestly, the Yankees are are, are acting like that team right now, and it's a good thing. Everybody looks like they have confidence. They look like they're having fun. They're hitting the ball. They're pitching. I, you know, you got to feel good. I think that it uh, certainly the Red Sox are the favorites, um, but it's about as good of a situation you can ask for if you're the Yankees of going up against a 108 win team. Yeah, absolutely. And the uh, Milwaukee Brewers right now are absolutely blowing it in the ninth inning. Hater? Is Hater it's, closing? Uh, no, he was in the seventh, actually. Huh. The shortstop just literally uh, a ball went under his glove. Uh, is- a, a slow charging. <laughs> under his glove this is riveting for Horrible. our listeners who already Horrible. know what happened <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> uh all right so again you guys know the deal we're doing episodes after every single game so the next time we will talk to you is sunday no sunday what are you Sat- talking about saturday Tomorrow. saturday morning the episode yeah. will be out yes the, the, i tell you man the days the days are all blurring together i don't know what day it is. i don't know up and down i don't know left and right yeah 
No, I um, and it's only I'm, after I'm, one game. All right, call the voicemail we line go. as well after the uh, Yankees hopefully kick the crap out of Chris Sale. 646-480-0342. I'll give you the yeah. last words. Thank you. The the voicemails were on freaking fire last night. Like after I love this. After the uh, one, the, all the emotion in the game, call it in the middle of the game after whatever. And we tried to get as many. I think we had 15 minutes of voicemails. Yeah, it was awesome. Tyler was putting them together. It was 35 voicemails, something like that. Some of them we just we couldn't use because of the sound quality. It just wasn't there. But the um, it was good. It was good stuff. So keep it rolling. Put it in your phone and uh, and, and call when emotions are at their highest because that's what makes it good. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.